welcome. I need to get him that mic. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to just say to you publicly, Tom, thank you so much for being here today. He is a, now he's a missions rep for our denomination, and today he's brought a word to us. And I was really glad when they said, Would, could he come? And he's coming to the camp meeting. Could he stay after and, and speak? And I was like, of course. I fired that message right back. But we love you. Thank you for being here. We want to give you your liberty today just to bring the word to us. But thanks for being here. One more time, can we give him a, a welcome today? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, the psalmist says, I was glad when they said, let us go in the house of the Lord. And I, I must say that I'm always glad to come to the house of the Lord. It is just a, it is a joy and a delight to meet with God's people, but even more importantly, to meet with the presence of the Lord. And I have felt him here already this morning. And I'm going to visit just a few moments. I'll try not to be too long because this has kind of been something I've always wanted to do since I left the region. I left here in 2006 and went as the, as the uh, overseer down in Missouri, stayed there six years, uh, then went to South Carolina, stayed there six years, and then tenured on that position in the church. They have tenure on it. So, so I had served all the time uh, that I could serve at that point and uh, was asked to go into world missions. Uh, never, never understanding that one day what I got as a master's degree from our seminary was in world missions. And I don't go overseas uh, that much at all uh, by choice. Uh, I do go all over the United States. I have 19 states that I represent. And I promote in, uh, missions education and fundraising for our projects in world missions. And I'll be giving you a little update on that in just a little bit. So glad to have Kathy. She has followed me all over this country. They asked me two years ago in the midst of the pandemic to go to Alaska and serve as the bishop up there. And I tried to pray about it, but there just wasn't anything there to pray about. I just knew that wasn't the will of the Lord. I came and told my wife, I said, Kathy, I said, um, I, I told the uh, general overseer, Dr. Tim Hill, I was honored to be asked, but I said I just didn't feel like that uh, that was uh, something that we should do. I didn't feel it to be the will of the Lord, to be honest. And Kathy, in her wise way, sweet way, she said, Tommy, I've followed you all over this country. She said, I already decided if you accepted that appointment that I'd keep my bags packed and come and visit you. So, <laughs> so, so I knew I had made the right decision at that point. <laughs> So uh, we, we're, all of our children were raised in Levisburg, Ohio, much like uh, the Mosslanders' children were raised in Butte. And, uh, of course, that none of them stayed there, and they settled in Tennessee. And God is my witness. We never tried to manipulate going to Tennessee. But today we have an oldest daughter with four boys, that lives within about 300 yards of us, a patch of woods between us. We have a daughter with two children that live 25 minutes, and we have a son that's three hours away, which is nothing, three hours away in Nashville area, and they have two children. And it's just amazing how that when you follow the will of God, God's been so gracious to Kathy and I 
that we would be able to end up close and be there for our grandkids' ball games and school programs and other activities. He's just been so good to us and so faithful. And the love of my life, we have been married uh, less than two weeks from now, 45 years. And uh, we thank the Lord. We celebrated our first anniversary in Trinidad and the West Indies on a three-week missions trip. And uh, there were two of the uh, uh, of Indian descent uh, of the people who had raised there, the leaders, and they said, we're going to take them to a fine restaurant. And so they put us in the car and took us down these back alleys that looked very dangerous to me and let us out, and we went upstairs into a place that looked like where the mafia might meet, and uh, it was a Chinese restaurant, and we were the only two in the restaurant. So that was our first anniversary, and ever since then, we've always been somewhere, uh, uh, usually in church or at a camp meeting or something for our anniversary. We just It's just been part of our life. Ministry is who we are what we're about and we're so honored for that now let me just visit for and I'm trying to do several things pastor here uh, you know it's hard when you don't get back in a long time uh, so I'm trying to do several things here today but we'll try to do it and keep you within the time frame that you're kind of accustomed to but uh, we served here four years in the region and uh, that was from 02 to 06 and uh, when we left we we never came back to Butte uh, except maybe to come through or something if we were doing something out this way, usually a mission since I got into world missions in particular. And uh, three years ago, uh, I was supposed to be here, and I was so excited about it, on a Wednesday night, and we were going to talk about world missions. I've always had this idea that I wanted to climb the mountain out here and go to Lady of the Rockies. So I had planned that morning to climb the mountain. But I just bought a brand new pair of $150 tennis shoes because I was leaving for Scotland on Friday and I was also running in a 5K there and I'd been training for that. And I got up on that Wednesday morning to climb the mountain and uh, there was snow and rain and cold and I thought, I'm not going to ruin my new shoes trying to get up that mountain today. So I went and got on a... Uh, got on a treadmill down at the Hampton Inn where I was staying here in Butte and uh, had a heart attack. And uh, I, don't, I didn't have a lot of blockage, but I had some blockage in one artery and a piece of that blockage flaked and my blood platelets rushed there, formed a clot to, to, to repair, and I ended up down here in your hospital. Kathy was work in World Missions in Tennessee how in the world at 2.30 she gets a phone call that I'm here and she makes it in by, by night's end, uh, you know, I don't know except the Lord made that happen. And your pastor and his wife were so gracious to us during that whole time and picked us up at the hospital, took us out to eat uh, after I got out, and then took us over to Bozeman to spend the night to catch the plane home the next day. And uh, one of the young ladies, we were talking about that before service, and said, well, you did climb your mountain that day. And I guess I did, didn't I? And so, uh, so anyway, so I thought, well, this time I'm going to climb it, but by car. And went, went over there yesterday afternoon, 
and lo and behold, it got a gate up, so I didn't make it yet. I haven't ever made it up to the top of the mountain there, but that's okay. But so we served here, and it just was, Michonne, I have to say, she is probably one of the most efficient, and I've, I've been in a lot of places and seen a lot of churches, one of the most efficient, I don't know what you're called here, administrative assistant, uh, that I that I have seen uh, uh, anywhere I've been, and I just want to honor you today and say that it's great to see you again and, uh, and your sweet family. But the Mosslanders, they are just so dear to Kathy and I, and, and I thought about the fact, I asked him Friday night how long they had been here at this particular church at Abundant Life, the Up Church, Uptown Church, and uh, he told me that it was just a couple of weeks or so ago that it was marked 25 years since they came here as the pastor of this congregation. And I, and I thought about the fact that that is a long time. There is probably less than 2% of all pastors that are ever, to, ever able to go to a community and stay there that long for a lot of reasons. But, but there, are, there are so many different uh, aspects of life and ups and downs and challenges and spiritual battles and things that you face that, that many do not are not able to stay that long. But this couple has weathered every storm. And I thought about some of their characteristics of this couple. And, of course, Julie is just one of the sweetest and kindest people, at least I know. And I thought it was God's will that she direct singing today while I was here. Uh, and so I enjoyed that so very much. And Kathy loves her. She was a good mother raising those uh, boys. And then Pastor Tim, I thought about him, and there, there are just three or four things I want to mention about him. I, I recognize that, first of all, that he, is, uh, that he is a man of vision, and he has vision, and he sees things. And if I recall correctly, and I think I am correct, that you built this facility while I was here, and you had a vision that a lot of men would not see. You you knew that God had a plan for Butte, Montana and for this ministry here, and you followed that through. Somebody told me one time, said that Peter was walking on the water. You remember that event, and they were out in the boat, and Jesus came through them, you know, on the night, and he's walking on the water towards the boat, and the disciples, they see him, and they're fearful about that. And so Peter, being the reactionary disciple, he jumps up, and he says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus simply says, come. And he steps out of the boat, and he's walking on the water, but he takes his eyes off of the Lord, and he begins to sink. The Lord reaches out, takes him by the hand, puts him in the boat. But I, I've oftentimes wondered, and I heard this story about how that, that some of the disciples were probably there in the boat thinking, look at that, Peter. He thinks he's something, you know. And, and, and they, they really kind of criticized him for getting out of the boat, but then all of a sudden he's walking on the water. Now let me tell you, when you've got a leader that will lead the way, it inspires faith in others to follow. And so I, I imagine that maybe those disciples early on that were a little critical probably thought, well, you know, if he could do that, we could do that. But of course they didn't, and he sunk, and then those same disciples that for a moment thinking I could do that, thought, well, I knew that was going to happen. You know, you always got those around too. I knew that was going to happen. But the, 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 the moral of the story is this. 
give me a boat full of wet water walkers rather than a boat full of dry boat riders. And so what I think you have here in this pastor is you have a wet water walker leader and visionary who loves you and cares for you and has led you and stayed with you all these years. Amen. Another thing. Another thing about about his leadership is he's always he has he has love and Julie has love and they love people and and I, I saw that demonstrated here this morning and I saw how that he he desires for you to love one another he understands the power of connection and how that by being connected that it brings uh, uh, power into our lives and it helps us and just by your you're uh, getting out and getting to see each other by your you're praying for one another there's something about that so I do know that he's a man of love third thing I've observed about him he's a man of grace and he's taught you mercy and grace and and the importance of that and as he has said we we're all recipients of God's grace are we not and somebody said well what is that really well uh, the best definition I ever heard was a Man died and went to heaven, was standing at the pearly gates, and Peter was there, and uh, he said, why should I let you into heaven? And he said, well, I've done a lot of things, you know, and St. Peter said, well, you've got to have 100 points to get in here. And the man said, well, said, you know, I was always good to my family. I worked a job. I, I, I provided a home for them. I took care of them, made sure they had plenty to eat. And St. Peter said, that's worth one point. And uh, he said, well, you know, <laughs> I, I went to church too. There were part of my life I taught Sunday school and I even took my family to church and I've given money to the church. That's got to be worth something. And, and St. Peter said that's worth uh, one point. And so the man kind of steps back and kind of scratches his head and he says, my goodness, that's only two points and you got to have 100 points. So I guess it takes the grace of God to get in this place. And St. Peter said, that's worth 98 points. Come on in. And so... So all of us are only saved by his wonderful and marvelous grace. Amen? Amen. And finally, what I observed even here today, just in this service about your pastor and about his wife, but your pastor is a man that, that uh, has taught you and teaches you that you can overcome, that you can live victorious, that you, you don't have to live in bondage. And under the bondage of sin and the weight of, uh, uh, of, of all that goes on and the pressures of life that Jesus has made provision and he's made a way for you and I to be victorious. And so, so I think that you have a shepherd here uh, that has proven himself over and over again to be very dedicated to the Lord and to his flock and his wife is the same and a family and I think it would be very appropriate. Now, I'm not supposed to do this, and they are very unassuming people. But I think it would be very appropriate to stand and just say thank you to a man of God and a woman of God. Would you do that right now? Just let them know that you love and appreciate them. Thank you, Pastor. Your team, and I know that. And I may never get to preach here again after that. But <laughs> I, uh, I do represent World Missions, and, and at the end of the day, World Missions is about soul winning. That's what it's about. 
we gave out a form. I don't know, uh, Pastor, I didn't think to tell you to let me look at that, but told about your, your five-year giving track over the last five years. And, and it wasn't, I know that you've just not given to Church of God World Missions. You, you've had all sorts of mission projects all over the world, and you should, and that's wonderful, and I commend you for that. But just in Church of God World Missions, you had given, I don't know, maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars, and and somewhere somebody has figured for every fifty-four dollars and thirteen cents that is given to World Missions, somebody gets saved, and and based on that formula, that would mean that that this particular church, through your efforts in Church of God World Missions, are responsible for somewhere. I'm just estimating between six and seven hundred people that had given their heart to Jesus Christ somewhere in the world. And so that's right. Give, give God praise and give yourself some praise for, 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 for what you've done. And God honors you for doing that. And he's appreciative of that as well. And, and all of us are, as I've already stated, all of us are recipients of God's grace. I grew up in Alabama. How many, how many could tell it probably wasn't Montana by the way I talk? John somewhere was come up. John over here come up and introduced himself. And, and uh, he, he kind of, uh, you know, asked me about where I was from. Well, I knew what he was doing. He was wanting to know, you, you from not here. You're from the south or somewhere. And uh, the way you talk. And, and he did say that. And, uh, and that is very, very true that I grew up in the South. I married a, a woman from Cleveland, Ohio, outside of Cleveland, Ohio. So I married a Buckeye, a, a redneck married a Buckeye. And don't ask me what our children are. I don't know. But anyway, we spent 21 years pastoring a church, one church in Ohio. And we left there and went into the administrative end of work. And, uh, and I've already told you where all that we have been since that time. So, so uh, in understanding that and going back to Alabama, I just want to mention this because I'm laying foundation for world missions. World missions is about the heart of God. World missions is about winning the lost regardless of where they're at in the world, regardless of their color, regardless of their social economic background, regardless uh, of any political affiliation. It really doesn't matter. He, he loves everybody. And so here I am, a country boy. I grow up, grow up in a community of about 300 people in central Alabama. And, and uh, I, I am forced to go to church every Sunday by my mother. I go to a little, little Methodist church that never ran over about 20 or 30 people. And I'm the youngest of four children, and we always had to be in church. But something happened in my life that was very tragic for me. My mother died when I was 14 years old. My dad was an alcoholic. He worked for a large paper mill called Kimberly Clark. And, uh, and uh, the union kept his job a couple of times. He would have been fired because he would get on a binge and not show up for work. And, and when mom died, dad just kind of... He, he didn't know what to do. He sold our little farm and the house I grew up in. And, and uh, I really was shifted around for several years. I, I lived with both my brothers. I lived with an aunt and an uncle. And I'd move in and out with dad. And sometimes he'd have a woman living with him or, 
One time he had her whole family, and there wasn't even room for me to live there. Now, I'm not, I didn't feel sorry for myself because I didn't know to feel sorry for myself. I just lived life. Barely made it through high school. Actually went to summer school to graduate because I had no parental guidance from 14 to age 20. 20 years old, I woke up one morning and went back to that little country Methodist church where I had grown up. I walked in and I sat down on the back service. They had an early service like this, only because that pastor had to go to another church that was a little larger. He served two congregations for the 11 o'clock service. So I'm sitting on the back, and there had been a death in the pastor's family on Saturday night, and, and, he, and so they had invited a young man to come and preach that morning, and he came in, and it was somebody I knew, and, and he looked at me, and he said, I didn't expect to see you here, and I said, I didn't expect to see you here either. I was in the National Guards with him, he also had dated my sister at one time, but she had married somebody else. He had married someone else. And he gets up and he says this. He said, I came to the dedication of this church with someone I dearly loved, and there will always be a special place for her in my heart. And I thought, surely he's not going to name my sister. And he didn't. He named my mother. And when he did, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit said, you're not living the kind of life your mother brought you up to live. You see, I had turned into my dad. I, I was a drinker. I was living by myself in a mobile home. I'd made five gallons of home brew. That's a homemade beer for those that don't know. And, and I, was, I was on the same track. And, and I wanted to go to the altar, but you didn't see people do that in that church. So afterwards, I said, Tommy, I need to talk to you. He said, well, i got to go to the other church now and preach. Can you come by my house tonight? And I went in. He held up a little New Testament. He said, if you don't want this, tell me. And I said, no, I guess that's why I'm here. I didn't know really what I wanted. I knew I needed to change. And so I sit down on his sofa, and he told me that God loved me and had a plan for my life. He told me that man was separated from God because of sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of and then he told me that Jesus came and was born and died on the cross and rose from the dead in order that sinful man could have right relationship with the holy God. And the law number four of that little witnessing tool called the four spiritual laws was that we must individually receive Christ. And he said, Tommy, do you want to receive Christ? And I thought about it and I said, well, not right now. That's the way the devil always works. You know, he convinces you that you can't live it or you got to wait till you're almost ready to die or something, you know. And so, so I didn't accept the Lord then, and he prayed, and he said, can we, can my wife and I pray for you? And I said, sure. And I don't know what they said, but I must have affirmed it because after the prayer, he said, did you receive the Lord? And I thought long and hard, and then I responded. Well, they were praising the Lord, gave me that little Bible and some literature and told me to get in church, read my Bible and pray and all those things. And I left and he asked his wife, he said, do you think he got anything? Meaning, did he get saved? And she said, I don't think he did. I was a mile up the road from their house when all of a sudden I had the thought, if I die, I'll go to heaven. I had never had that assurance before, ever in my life. And then right on the heels of that thought, I thought, 
If I die, I'll see my mother. And the Holy Spirit flooded that car, and I began to weep and, and cry. And I went home that night, and I had two cans of beer in the refrigerator, a little of that homebrew left. And I went to the kitchen sink, and I poured it all down the drain that night. And something happened that would forever change my life. I never went back and had another drink of alcohol. I was drinking 8, 10, 12 cans of beer every day, every day for two years. And I, I quit all of that and got in church, and God filled me with the Holy Spirit. I found out about that, and then he called me into ministry, and it was quite a journey. It was just wonderful. But you know what? That is what World Missions is. It's really about winning the lost. And that's the heart of God. And I want us to bow our heads just for a moment. I'm not, I'm not near through here, but, but I want us to bow our heads. There may be one person in this room that you do not have the assurance that if you were to die, you would go to heaven. And I don't want you to leave here today without having that assurance. I'm going to say a prayer, and then we will, we will go on. But is there anybody here that you would say, in this prayer, Brother Tommy, I want you to pray for me. I don't have the assurance, or maybe I've served the Lord, but, but I... I I really need to rededicate my life right now. If you're here and you need to surrender your life for the first time to Christ, or you need to rededicate your life to Christ, and you want the assurance that you'll go to heaven, let me see your hand real quick. Raise it up and back down. Yes, 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 yes. Are there others? Yes, yes. Several hands. <laughs> Holy Spirit. You see, you're good people. You would never be here in church if you weren't good people. But goodness don't get us into heaven. It's only by his grace and his mercy and his atonement that he has made provision for us. And so saints, I don't know, there was probably eight, maybe at least, that just said, I want to rededicate my life. Probably most of them were that. Maybe somebody wanted I want, to, I want to dedicate my life. But either way, God's going to meet them the way he met me that night. And he's going to change them. He's going to do a work in their hearts. And I want all of us just to be in prayer as I pray for them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, this is not about any of us. This is about you. And it's about their eternal destiny. And so right now, I pray that they would feel loving arms around them that are your loving arms. I feel that they would feel a warm sensation in their, in their spirit, their heart, their body, their mind. There would be a peace. And as they are just saying, God, I'm, I, I'm coming back. I'm rededicating. Or maybe they're just saying, Lord, I need you. I need the assurance of salvation. Whatever it is. Do not let them leave here without finding that peace and satisfaction and assurance that, Lord, if they die, they'll go to heaven. This is a work of the Spirit, church. We do not take this for granted. So, Father, right now, for those who have been honest and open enough to say, Here I am, God. I need you. Or I need you one more time. Whatever the case, we know that you have done the work. 
and we give you praise and thanks. And now, church, the Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven. Can you put your hands together and rejoice with the angels? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. All right, so I'm, I'm going to take just the next few minutes, and I want to talk to you about world missions and, and the missional mandate that Jesus gave his disciples before he leaves is in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven, and he tells his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world or end of the age. And so the early disciples were told that they were to go into the world and they were to proclaim the gospel. And, and, and we understand that, that initially the, the disciples stayed in Jerusalem and they were told to, according to Acts 1, they were told to tarry in Jerusalem till they be endued with power from on high. And that whenever that event would happen, they would be given the wisdom, the ability, the power, the influence to win others to Christ because that was going to mark the beginning of the early church, the Christian church. We know that it took some time to get the disciples out into the world and persecution came. And let me say persecution will cause people to, to, to either uh, get deeper into their faith or it will cause them to pull away. And the disciples, many of them, they, they chose to be dispersed and they went out from there. They went to Judea, Samaria, and eventually into the uttermost parts of the world. But it came after the Holy Ghost came upon them. And they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm telling you, I grew up Methodist, but the next thing in my life that had the most major impact was the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the early disciples had to have that to accomplish the task. I just Googled recently, I don't know that it is factual or not, but the early church, it took a while for it to grow. If you recall in, in the New Testament that there were only a few churches in Asia Minor and other areas in those earlier decades, really. And so it took quite a few years for the church to take hope. But when it did, all of a sudden it was accelerated and it began to grow and double, double within decades. And before you knew it, we, we had Christians all around the world. And the Roman Empire, they had set up a, a, a institutional, so to speak, church and became the Roman Catholic Church. And you still had the Greek Orthodox. And, and we went through many centuries of things happening, the Crusades and the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages. But, but in the uh, 16th century, we know that something major happened, and it was a, a Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther. And Martin Luther, he had, uh, he, he had had this revelation, and it was called the Great Reformation, that man was saved by faith and faith alone through God's grace. And so that, that message was put out there, and it would forever change all of Christendom. And a lot of wonderful things happened. And there were great, great preachers that 
rose up, D.L. Moody and the Wesley Brothers and Billy Sunday, and the list goes on and on of different preachers that helped shape and, and turn Christianity in the world of that next several centuries. And then it came in 1886 that there was a little Baptist group in the hills of North Carolina where, where North Carolina, Georgia, and, uh, and Tennessee come together and they were dissatisfied with what was going on in the church and so, so they formed a prayer meeting and eight, eight individuals started praying and the next thing is a little congregation started. Now, that church became the, the uh, Christian Union Church and the Holiness Church at Camp Creek was the next same congregation but 10 years later changed names and for 10 years they began to grow. They were of a holiness background so to speak but in 1896 the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out once again and there was about 150 in those mountain communities that got the baptism of the Holy Spirit they began to search the scripture they found out this is what was pro prophesied by the prophet Joel that would happen in the last days they understood in Acts chapter 2 about speaking in tongues and throughout the book of Acts that that was an initial sign of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in most cases. And so what we saw uh, happen was that there was going to be something that would forever help shape and change uh, part of the world. We're not the only group. In 1906, in, in Los Angeles, California, there was a, uh, an African-American man by the name of William Seymour, and he had this Pentecostal experience, and he began to preach it, and there was a great revival. Now, the difference between the revival in the mountains and the revival in Los Angeles, that Los Angeles was a heavy populated area, that there was commerce there, ships coming and going every day, rail cars in and out every day, and so people were visiting there, getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and being dispersed, going back to their own countries and their own places. of And the, the, the Pentecostal, second Latter-day Pentecostal movement was birthed, and we saw Assemblies of God and Foursquare and Pentecostal holiness, and even the Church of God was birthed out of all that. And then, of course, I won't go into it, but you know, in the 60s and 70s, we saw another wave that was known as the Charismatic Movement that began to affect all the more nominal-type denominations of that time. I'm a product of the Charismatic Movement. And so, so the point being made is, so now we are in 1906, we have our first General Assembly. We feel like we need to do so. By 1902, so we're already... Uh, 16 years as a as a one church, we only have about 20-something people left. By 1910, we have 1,005 members in the Church of God, and we have 31 churches in, in the Church of God. In fact, the Church of God was birthed in this region in uh, Golden Valley, North Dakota. The Walker family got the baptism, and uh, uh, there was a... Uh, one of the boys that went all over into Livingston and Big Timber and those areas, and by 1920, 21, 22, and 3, we began to establish Church of God congregations over there. And so we were very slow moving to begin with. 
But all of a sudden, we began to grow. We sent our first missionary out. We knew that we needed to do something, and we had a retired Methodist minister by the name of R.M. Evans and his wife Ada, and they had got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and felt called to go to the Bahamas, got on a boat, sold everything, got on a boat, and became our first missionary. Fast forward to today. Let's look at us. We never intended to be an organization, a denomination, a, a movement. We were just going to try to help bring some reformation to the little church down in the hills. Today, we are in three, or excuse me, in 185 countries of the world. There are 195 countries in the world. Church of God has congregations in 185 of those countries. We found out that whenever Afghanistan we pulled out, we had house churches, underground churches that we didn't even know that were part of us that were there. We today, we have uh, uh, house churches in communist countries, in Arab countries all over the world. In Russia, we have about 100 uh, churches that are open congregations. In Ukraine, which we're going to talk about in a few moments, we have 100 uh, 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 congregations that are there, and those congregations are closely related. In fact, you have family members that live in both countries that are part of either the Ukrainian Church of God or the Russian Church of God. So we, we're in 185 countries. We have grown from 20-something members in 1902 to today we are 8 million member strong church. And whenever you add what they call the adherents, meaning people who have never officially joined the church of God, but they attend the church of God, somewhere in a 24-hour period uh, right now, we have some 18 to 20 people uh, that around this globe that are worshiping the Lord and praising God that is a part of the movement that started down in the mountains in 1886. Can somebody give God praise for his faithfulness? Amen. Amen. We have 132 orphanages, 137 orphanage in the states. We no longer have true orphanages. We do a lot of placement and temporary uh, housing of children and those things. But a lot of these countries, they have, they have to place. We have one in Liberia that I know a good bit about that started because of Ebola. You remember that. That was a deadly, deadly virus that actually liquefied the human organs. And and we had a lady there from the country named Phoebe Gray who had 12 biological children of her own. And she had such a heart for these babies that didn't have anybody. Parents had died, grandparents had died, nobody to care for them, that she started an orphanage there. That orphanage at one time uh, was 450 strong as a rule. They manage about 150 to 250 kids, but many of those kids, especially that were taken in in the early days, they, they were fed, they were clothed, they were housed there their entire life, and they now are believers, and they are citizens in, 
in, uh, in Liberia and other parts of the world serving the Lord, making a good income, providing for their family, all because of a woman who saw the need to meet this need of those hungry children. We had an official that went there some time back and said they were eating there. And anyway, said he asked the children, said, is there anything that you children would need? Said one little girl raised her hand, said, we'd like a little piece of chicken in our rice. And so needless to say, from that day to this day, they've always had a little piece of meat with their rice, and we provide. I've raised a lot of money for that orphanage. In fact, we had to build, we had to raise money to build a, a wall around it because thieves were stealing their vegetables out of their gardens they were growing and other things. And right now, that we're, we're raising money, and we have uh, what we have done is we've gone in to get them electricity. They only could have electricity for three hours a day in, in there, and now they can get it 24 hours a day, but we're having to rewire everything in order to make that possible for them. That's only one of just many, many, many cases that I could tell you. We now have, rather than one missionary went to the Bahamas, we are right at 600 missionaries, worldwide full-time missionaries in the church that are doing a work for God. We also uh, have over 46,000 congregations in the world today, all because of eight people who saw the need to pray and say, we need reformation. We need, we need a touch of God. We need the hand of God. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, it equipped the early church to do the work to get the message out and then the latter-day baptism of the Holy Spirit is equipping the church to do the work today that needs to be done, and that's what we're doing. And so a lot of times when I talk about world missions, I talk about Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to uh, kind of bring this to a conclusion, but here's what Paul says in writing in chapter 10. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And so we become the senders. We are the people. And that's what you've done, Pastor. You, you've been sending teams out and people out for years. You've been supporting others that they can go. You can't go. We, we can't all be in every nation, but we can make a difference somewhere. And we can. And I want you, I've stopped by just to tell you that you're part of a great big movement that is bigger than just abundant life. And you can't do it all. I can't do it all. No congregation can do it all. But when we all come together and we do something, what a difference we can make in the world. And talking to your pastor, what we would do, he's allowed me to take an offering today. We're going to take an offering for Ukraine. The Church of God has led the way, literally led the way in humanitarian needs in this war since it began. And, and uh, we had three orphanages that were there, and the one in Maribu has been bombed and destroyed. But thankfully, we got the children out before. In fact, all three of those orphanages, we have now relocated the, the children and the workers into other countries, and we've gotten them out of it. One of the orphanages, it took, took us three 
times to move them before we finally got them out. And, and the most recent one is being housed in Germany in our Pentecostal seminary. We've got them there. Our churches all throughout uh, uh, that area there of, of Poland and Romania and, and the surrounding congregations, they are makeshift residential places right now. They got beds, bunk beds in, in, in facilities that are wall-to-wall -wall and they're housing people. And, and the Church of God has bought 40 vans. And we, we've had buses and we go in every day and we're taking people out of the war-torn areas and we're getting them across the borders. And some four and a half, five million uh, refugees now out of, out of Ukraine are over in those those. Uh, uh, countries uh, around there and and you say well that's in another part of the world it is but I'm telling you Jesus has told us that we are to go and I'm telling you you can't really reach people with the gospel until you show that you care and love them and we are giving humanitarian aid we're leading men and women we have we have boots on the ground missionaries we have our seminary president we have boots on the ground every day right now in and out of Ukraine getting people to safety now. And I don't know what's going to happen there, but I can tell you this, that all over the world, the Church of God congregations have been responding. North Georgia, the overseer called me back about three, four weeks ago. He said, Tom, we've already sent in $340,000. And uh, that was just from one half state. And, and others are doing it, and, and we're making a difference. And when I talked to Pastor Tim, he said, I really believe that that's something we could get on board with. We're going to keep doing our projects that we do. We, we're going to keep supporting the people we support, and, and we're going to put together a team, he said, even a mission team, to, to look at world missions and how you can make a difference because there's so many things you can do that, that will We'll never, you'll never fully know the impact here in Hughesville, abundant life. But in eternity, you will make the difference. You will, people will be saved because you prayed and you gave and you cared. And so our ushers are going to pass out right now. Would you go ahead and do that? If you're a couple, you can take one unless you have separate accounts and you want to. But just take this, at least, and look at it. You don't have to, if, if you don't feel led to do anything, nobody's going to try to twist your arm to do that today. But take one, if you would, and let me walk you through it. I'll have Pastor Tim come up and pray for us and pray for our efforts today. But this is what we call a faith promise card. It's not really a pledge card because if you're not able to do this, if you say, I'm going to give... $20 a month, but you feel like at some point you can't do that or for whatever reason. Nobody's going to dun you. We don't want you to feel guilty. It's not about that at all. This is about helping to relieve uh, a humanitarian aid right now in the world, but it's ultimately about winning people to Christ. Remember, that's what Jesus came and died for. And so if you look at this, you open up, it's in triplicate copies. The last copy, after you'd filled it out, if you do, you take, it's, it's the hard stock, and you pull that and keep it yourself. The yellow copy will stay here with the local church just for them and their records. 
and the top white copy I will take back to international headquarters and it will be processed. I have to fill out a report of the churches that I go to and so uh, it will go there. On the left hand side is pretty self-explanatory. You put your name there, your address, you, you, your, your uh, church that you attend which would be here if you go to another church and you just want to give, you put that church name, whatever you feel led to do, but name of the church is there, and that's self-explanatory. What we do on the right-hand side is important. We are going to receive an offering, and there will be people at the back with bags, and this will be separate from your tithing offerings. This will be a world missions offering. And, and whatever you do, whether you can still give online as you normally do, and they will take it, and We'll, and if you make a check, make it out to this congregation, and they will, they will give one check to me made out to Church of God World Missions, and I take it back. Bookkeeping becomes a lot simpler that way. And so, so you can give online, you can fill out a check, uh, or there's a place on here. I mean, know that anybody under 40 don't carry cash. You know, I mean, you know, I've, I've fussed at my kids about they'll go on a trip got any cash no you know I mean but but anyway um, they do debit cards or credit cards and so we have a place on that right hand side where you can put your debit card number we have never had a breach of that never ever been doing it for years and you can do that and you can even give monthly by doing that as well as I will explain and so so you can do that by putting that information there and uh, and once a month they will draw that out of your uh, account, if that's how you do it, uh, and then at the end of one year, this all ends. No more. Nothing. So this is a one year, and the reason we're doing this is because we know that a lot of people aren't prepared to give in just a one-time offering. But you want to give, and this way makes it easier for you to spread it out over a period of time. And so let's just say you want to do $10 a month. That's that's $120 over the course of a year. And you can put that in right there. And uh, you can put $10. My faith promise amount is $10. And then do it monthly if that's the way you want to do it. Of course, you can give annually or whatever. It's amazing. Some people are very blessed. And some people have a real heart for missions. And there, it's not uncommon to see somebody give $50 a month or even $100 a month and, and, and beyond. And you can do that all at one time, or you can stretch that out over the year. But remember, today's offering and what we're doing is to help the, the crises that we have in Ukraine. But you're really also reaching people with the gospel message. That's what we're about. And it makes a difference. Any questions about this that I've explained so far? Okay, Pastor, would you come with me and and um, if you would go ahead and fill that out and then once you've done that, make your check out or whatever how you're going to do this and then uh, tear off the, the, the back copy and put the other two in with, uh, with your check or, or if you're just doing something online or if you're, you're just doing it through credit card and you, you have this. But if you're giving cash today, at the top, you just put my gift today, and then today's date, whether it's cash, credit card, or check, whatever how you're giving. 
But Pastor, if you want to say anything, I want you to say it now, and then if you would just pray over this offering, but in particular pray for Ukraine. Okay. And our churches there. Yeah. We have a we have a great great word for them. Amen. I I've got the mic here, so I mean appreciate. Brother Tommy bringing the word today and exhorting us and encouraging us. Thank you so much. We just want to jump on board. We want to be a part of this, this church. I just want to just say right now, I think, and I don't think I'm wrong about this, on an annual basis, we are sowing into annually at least $16,000 a year annually already. We've helped out with other crisis situations over the years. But we are presently right now wanting to up our game in the whole thing about, you know, uh, world missions. And so we are talking and uh, we're right now developing a team of people to even go stronger with that because we believe in the principle that, you know, reaching the world, God will take care of us if we do what we can to take care of God's work in the earth today. And so we're really excited about this. We think this is really timely that you're here today. And so is this the closing, what I'm going to do right now? All right. So can the ushers standing at the door, let's all stand together right now. And uh, if you have a gift prepared or something that either you want to give today or you're going to give annually from now on, let's pray God's blessing over this. Amen. And we're going to pray. Let's begin, though. Let's do pray right now for Ukraine and everything that is going on over there. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for bringing uh, Tommy and Kathy Gillum here today to minister to us, to challenge us and to encourage us. And Lord, right now, we agree for your hand of mercy in the nation of Ukraine and Russia, God, and all the conflict and, and, and uh, the, just what's going on over there, the loss of life, the brokenness, Lord, the devastation. Jesus, you said there will always be wars and rumors of wars, but we pray, God, for peace right now in that nation. We pray for your hand of mercy to be on uh, all of those that are in that country, God, and what they're going through and the bombing and the killing, Lord, and just the devastation. And we do want to lift up the church, the church of the living God in that nation. We pray for our brothers and sisters there, God, that you would protect them, that you would provide for them, that you would be with them in this hour of great need. And Lord, let our prayers not stop and let our offerings, God, our giving, our commitment to this, God, uh, go to, to not only helping those in desperate need, but saving souls, lost, dying, and hurting souls, we pray. God, we love you. We, we give ourselves to you today. And we give these monies to you today, Lord. It's not ours. You blessed us with it. We're just stewards of what you've already given to us. And we pray, God, that you would multiply the seed that is sown here today for your kingdom and for, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you.